0: Today's episode of the Sixers Beat. Rich and I talk about Ben Simmons, who has a nerve impingement in his lower back. He will be reevaluated in two weeks, but likely out longer than that. What will that mean in terms of who will start? How will that threaten the Sixers season? We talk about it all while then also touching about the recent play of Joel Embiid. With that out of the way, on to the show. Welcome everybody, this is Derek Podner. Joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat part of the Athletics Podcast Network, as always at the top, or at least more frequently at the top than we used to do. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat. You can get 40% off a yearly subscription. I guess just to highlight one article, Rich recently sat down with Matisse Stiebel, and he showed him basically a bunch of highlights of Matisse's defense, and some lowlights, a mixture of both
1: was like is, one or
0: two. yeah. One or two. You sneak it in there. Yeah. And basically had Matisse walk through what he was thinking while that was going on and how he reads offenses and how he jumps plays that most people don't jump. And Rich took the video of the play, had, a, had Matisse's thoughts play over top of the video as audio, and it combined it into a, a really good post. So go check that out. Just one of the many reasons, most of which come from Rich and Mike, but one of many reasons to subscribe to the athletic, and like I said, you can get 40% off a yearly subscription, so you're talking like a couple bucks a month. It's uh, it's worth your time.
1: Definitely. And and one other thing I'd like to add, Matisse is not playing well right now, and uh, I think it was even a little bit before I did the post. I did the post over All-Star break, so that was a good time to get him because the Sixers had a rare practice, of course a practice where an injury happened that we're going to talk about, but uh, he uh, he's not playing well, right now, and I know anybody who listens to Birds with Friends knows about the Kapadia curse. <laughs> I do not want to uh, jump in on that, but I-, I will say that I know that he is not playing that well right now.
0: I mean, he's still a very important part of this team's future and really one of the, the, yeah, he's not playing well now, but I think for the most part, people have been pretty unequivocally happy with his season based off of what they expected and what his role will be in the future. So go check it out. It's a, yeah, It was a fun read, and I'm sure it was fun for Rich to do as well. It was fun for me to watch. I was sitting there watching them go through, through the interview, and you'd look over, and at some points Matisse would be very serious and, and look <laughs> mildly annoyed and or just really in thought. And then other times he was he was laughing and going back and, Giving the piece a read now, it's fun to try to put together which ones he was laughing at, which ones he was a little annoyed at, but go check it out. All right. So the big news of the last couple of, I guess about a week, I think he, Ben Simmons initially hurt the lower back, what, probably last Wednesday, I want to say at practice.
1: Yep. That's when that practice was.
0: Brett Brown said he went up for a rebound, came up, immediately went off the court and had it looked at. He then missed the game Thursday against Brooklyn, came back Saturday to play in the national tv game against the Milwaukee Bucks left after about 5 minutes or so and now we found out today that he is going to be out for a decent chunk of time
1: reevaluated in 2 weeks the 2019-20 Philadelphia 76ers video yearbook
0: yeah and and reevaluated is the key it does not that is not a timeline on his return in fact i believe Adrian Wojnarowski reported of ESPN reported that there's little confidence he would be coming back during that time That is when he will be next reevaluated and when they will set a baseline. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: How vague can they make these injury reports? Oh my God. It's amazing. In a couple of years, I think it's going to be, well, who are we to say that Ben Simmons has a back or or anything, Uh, but he might miss some time for a little while. But yeah, they they did not give you a ton with the timeline and they also didn't give you a ton.
0: Well, I guess that's a good jumping off point. So the injury that they revealed, which is real more like a, a condition. Yeah, you explain uh, it. Nerve impingement in, in his lower back. And usually that is more of a consequence to an injury than the injury itself. Like, there's usually something else going on there. And we don't really know what that means. Is that a herniated disc? Is that something else that's causing that? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Woj probably doesn't know. Shams doesn't know. Nobody knows. Hopefully the Sixers know. But it is, it leaves a lot open to, and, and some of the details, I'm trust me, I'm not a doctor and I haven't yet spoken to one. But some of the details might then impact how long it takes to recover from this. You know, he right now he's going through daily what rehabilitation, daily activities to try to get back. It sounds like it's going, here's pretty much all we know. His lower back is hurting. It's going to be at least two weeks, but probably more. What does that mean beyond that? I truthfully don't know. And that's a little, that's a little bit disconcerting.
1: The only way they could have made it vaguer was if they said upper body injury, like it was hockey. The, uh, yeah, they, they I feel gave... like the
0: only reason we're not on that track, by the way, is because of gambling. Well, good. Yeah,
1: I good. agree. Another another good reason to gamble. Yeah. The promo look...
0: code TOSS for. No, oh, I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. I was thinking of it. Yeah, no, that's what I wanted to say.
0: So. Are they even sponsoring this? One? I don't know if they're Go ahead. I'll figure out their sponsor.
1: Well, good. So, yeah, it's like you said, that is kind of a, a result of what is happening, but we don't know if it is a bone spur, although I did. Talk to a doctor a little bit. I need to to organize those thoughts because it was just a little while ago. But you know, I think odds are it's probably a herniated or bulging disc. But we don't know for sure. So that is uh that is the problem with what we're dealing with. But I I think it comes back because I don't think we've had a podcast since that Milwaukee game, right? No, we we've been waiting. Why was he playing in? That?
0: No idea. A lot of people will speculate that the injury actually happened in the All-Star Game, and maybe he re-aggravated it in the practice a week ago because he took that hard fall in the All-Star Game. This whole thing sort of ruined my I'm-not-watching-the-All-Star Game because after this happened, I had to go back and re-watch that section of the All-Star Game and the rest of it to see how he moved afterward. Now, could he have injured it there and maybe adrenaline or just the constant movement and prevented it from hurting at that point? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and like I said, I haven't talked to one yet. Is it true that that was just a coincidence and he then hurt it in practice, truthfully, for the first time, or has it? I don't know. I don't know. I would it hope is, he
1: didn't hurt it in the All Star game because there are videos of him jumping in the ocean. Yes, a couple days later, and I. Like, I will, look, I'll
0: tell you what I will, and a lot of people have speculated did he hurt it in the All Star game. I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he heard it in practice. Yeah, or at least that he realized he heard it in practice.
1: Like you said, the benefit of the doubt is that I think Ben Simmons is smart enough to know if his back is ailing him to not jump in the ocean when it is ailing him, and also to not practice after that when it's ailing him. And yeah, it's like you said, he looked fine in the rest of the All-Star game. You know, that's that's one of the problems when the Sixers give such a vague timeline and explanation of the injury. We all turn into, uh, you know, Internet's sleuths looking for every possible answer. I guess what I'll say is, I just, even if he did hurt it in that practice, I just don't understand why he was playing. And, and there's been no good explanation for that Bucks game specifically, because the other detail we left out, and one, unfortunately, I was not able to ask Brett Brown the other night, I got to do a better job. I got to get that out there because, I don't know, other people wanted to know about what the backup point guard rotation is going to look like. Now, at one point, people were like, do you have to get Joel
0: Embiid involved? Of course you do.
1: Yeah. What what are we doing? The The main question, and this will be asked over the next couple of days, this will will be corrected. Why would you play Ben Simmons if the plan was to bring him back to the locker room during stoppages? That just seems like a no-go right away.
0: And you hope, I mean, the easy connection here is national TV game against a rival. Oh. Maybe Simmons talked his way onto the court as that, Embiid did a couple of years ago against Houston. You can't, that can't happen. That cannot happen. And look, we're sitting here. Is it a herniated disc? Is it not? What's ca- causing the impingement? What's not? Like, if there are bad outcomes to this, then we truthfully won't, even if they gave a timeline, even if it said his return to play is three to four weeks, you wouldn't feel confident on that until not only he came back, but he played for a substantial amount of time to know that he wasn't going to do anything to re-aggravate that. Backs are, we joked about this the other day, we're sick of writing. Backs are no- notoriously tricky. Yeah. They're they're like, the odds of a reflare up here is is not zero. So you had to be extremely, the first instance of this hurting, you had to be extremely cautious. And I don't care if Ben really wanted to play. I don't care if your marking department wanted him to play. I don't care who wanted him to play. This is much more, the quickest way to derail a season. Especially when your backups are Haul Neto, Alec Burks, or in, in, in Brett Brown's case, Raul Neto and Alex Burt <laughs> and Furkan Korkmaz and Jay Rich as a point guard. Like, no, these are not good enough options. You don't have a real and and Brett sort of like he, he gave his players a little bit. He's like, I'm not ready to anoint anyone because nobody's really earned that, but also I'm confident, which is a little playing both sides a little bit. But you do not have a capable all-star, like you're 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 not all-star, your playoff hopes. Are resting on this guy. I've said this before. You have $109 million invested in Joel Embiid's backup. And hopefully he can be a little more than Joel Embiid's backup, but right now he's primarily over the past week been Joel Embiid's backup. And you have a minimum bunch of minimum salary floats him as Ben Simmons backup. You cannot lose this guy. You have nobody else that can really create shots at a high level. You have nobody else that can defend the of these replacements that can defend at Ben Simmons level. This is a a massive concern. And there is no real justification. For him to have been out there. I mean, he hurt that back within five minutes. Came right out. That's for a guy who just missed a game, just was taken out of practice, and had a return to play program of going back in the locker room each and every time there was a stoppage of player, he wasn't on the court, to get treatment. He was not... It, I mean, look, again, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. It does not seem there's any real justification for him have, having been ready to play.
1: Like a lot of bad Sixers situations, the optics are no good. Yeah, I think part of me wonders because Ben Simmons is such an Ironman. Took taking be- for granted. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's just the Sixers. I think some of it, maybe he took it for granted, like he thought he could play through it. But my God, man, he was not moving well. And it's funny because he scored a couple times in transition despite not really moving well, but you could even see it when he was chasing Middleton on defense. He, he was not getting around screens with the the grace that he usually moves with yeah it, it doesn't make any sense now i don't know you know what is the difference and, and i will try to talk to more doctors uh, as this goes along but like to me i think the other question is what would have happened if he sat you know is this something that maybe could have been nipped in the bud if he sat out a week or two or something like that
0: or is it something he would have would have lingered until
1: or was it something that you know yeah that was already there or, or whatever so the, the uh yeah the optics are bad and I guess the uh the main topic hanging all over this, and I will I will say this as clearly as possible, whatever slim hopes that this team had to make a deep run in the playoffs, if Ben Simmons is not more than let's say ninety percent, they are fucked. It is over. And that's just something that we need to get out there because it's like you said, you know, backs are tricky, the Sixers timeline means nothing. They need him back by the playoffs. And we can talk about what they'll do in the meantime. I think they'll be okay in the meantime. Their schedule's pretty easy. And Embiid looks like he's playing well. But man, if he is not healthy, they are not prepared to deal with his absence for all the reasons that you said. He is, if Embiid is their best player, I think you can argue because of their roster construction, Ben is pretty close to their most valuable player, if not the most valuable player on the
0: team. Yeah, so there's there's a couple different ways I would look at that. You know, on the one hand, I think Joel's high points, like his best games are better than Ben's best games. So I think his ceiling is still higher than Ben's. I think Ben has been more consistent. But like you pointed out, I mean, the Sixers have a capable, very expensive, but capable backup for Joel. They don't have anything even remotely resembling a viable playoff solution without ben so yeah I th- I, you could certainly make a case uh, i think with when you start looking at the defensive numbers i could still make a case that joel is is their most important definitely player uh because he does have a much bigger as as great of it and i think ben should be first team all defense joel still has has a much bigger impact on that that end of the court but the complete lack of a viable playoff point guard makes that a uh it's it's very scary very scary.
1: It's like they always say And
0: look, this is shaping up like you might have a four or five with Miami where now maybe you'll be on the road since you might win a couple fewer games yeah. without Ben. And then you'll have a second round matchup with uh you know, with with the Bucks, who gosh, they're just a monster. And you need to be like you're gonna need to play your best brand of basketball four times out of seven in order to have a shot in that series. And that's gonna be tough to do if uh if not only if, if Simmons isn't back, but like you said, if he's not back up to hundred percent, that's gonna be very tough.
1: If they don't have Simmons at 100%, it ends in Milwaukee. Beating the the Heat would be a decent outcome from those two. And, you know, I, I think I, I don't want to get too doom and gloom here because, again, we I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, could he be back in early April? And could it be something that, whether it's heat and ice, whether it's uh, just simple rest and physical therapy, that this is something... That the doctors can get under control. And Ben Simmons, who is, you know, I say this all the time, is one of the best conditioned athletes I've ever seen. Could he make, you know, I don't I don't want to say miraculous, because again, we don't know exactly what it is, but can he make a pretty quick recovery? Yeah, I think that's possible. But yeah, this, uh, this stinks.
0: Let's take one quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Roman. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Sixers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Sixers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And now back to the show. All right, so let's go on to the options the Sixers have. And I guess the primary options you would say are Howell Neto, Shake Milton, both of which have started a game now for Ben Simmons, Alec Burks, and then you can get into some wing options like Furkan Korkmaz, like Glenn Robinson III, that would then push Josh Richardson to your starting point guard. Brett was asked, and he said more or less here's a quote, I wouldn't say it's one person in response to taking over for Ben. I think it would be done, done by, by committee. To anoint like you're going to be the guy, it may evolve to that, but to do that right now, I don't think anybody stands out enough to be able to hand that badge over. Rich, if you were running the team, who would you hand that badge
1: over to? I mean, those options are not good, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am so doom and gloom right now. I am so negative, but... You know, I think next time we get on Ben about his jump shot, which will be the next time he's playing at at a decent level, remind me of this moment, (laughs) because the idea of him being out is really just putting a damper on my day and perhaps on our month um, to watch these guys. I think what they did in the game on Monday night against Atlanta, I think that's roughly how I would go about it. They started Shake, and your favorite line... Is it's Shake Milton, as in like, you know, anything positive you want to say about him? There are some major limitations there. I don't know why that works. Maybe the name, just Shake Milton, just you can kind of deadpan say that. I uh, I think he's playing better than the rest of these guys, and no, he's not a uh, a typical point guard. We talked about this during the the summer league when he struggled. He doesn't have the ball handling or the the wiggle to get into the lane very yep. consistently. But I think Brett has a pretty smart game plan. They're running a lot of stuff through Joel, through Al and through Tobias at the elbows, where Shake is either kind of running a dribble handoff. It's a lot of the stuff he was running with Ben. I think back to that Lakers game when Ben was playing the four, but it's not like uh, they're giving Shake a million pick and roll calls. The uh, One of the more interesting subplots of the past week And I think you probably agree with this a little bit, just because I'm giving you a hard time on your your reactions to this player as we're sitting on press row. Brett does not want Alec Burks to be the point guard. Nope. And it makes some sense, because when Alec Burks is bad... He's real bad. It's kind of... uh, It wears on your whole team, too. It's, I think he's going to be a useful player for these guys just because you also had the positive uh, reaction. I don't want to uh, paint you as a completely negative Burks guy because when he pulled up
0: oh, off was the dribble of yeah. and yeah. shot a
1: three, you were like, are you allowed to do that? Is when, that-
0: when, when he has a good game, he will legitimately lift your team. When he has a bad game, he's adding real negative value. And that's tough for a starter without that kind of night to night consistency. Like he will, he will shoot them out of a game or two that will just drive you insane. You'll be like, dump the effing ball into Joel, stop and pull up jumpers. And his, his, I mean, his reaction, his mindset, he is a bit of a black hole and some nights he will get hot and give the team a dynamic. They really don't have. And other nights, Brett is going to have a real quick hook. And I think he, you know, I think he should.
1: So that's how they're going to use him. They're going to use him in the Trey Burke, Allen Iverson. I like how I said Trey Burke before Allen (laughs) Iverson. Um, But the, off ball scoring role. They use Jay Rich and and Furky in that role too, where they're gonna get him in some pick and rolls, but he's not gonna be the one bringing the ball up. They'll have him on the uh, the second side, as Brett said after the game. That seems all good and well, and and I agree with you. It, the idea of him shooting out of the game, it's kind of like when we talked about why we would start Glenn Robinson because he takes the least off the table. Although he's not playing that well. He's taking a
0: lot off the table. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, It's all relative. The Sixers table. (laughs) (laughs) If you can just leave some stuff on the table, it's okay. Uh, If you don't come back for seconds and and thirds or just, just knock everything completely off. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough spot. So the other thing they did. So I guess real
0: quick, I have the Brett Brown quote right in front of me because I was writing on that earlier today. He said, I probably like Alec more on the second side of stuff then coming up the floor with the ball. He's capable of having the ball and making plays. Personally, I think as he learns what we're doing, it might be easier to just loop him in and let him play off the ball. So yeah, I think I think very much he's going to be playing off ball and coming off the bench.
1: Translation, I'm trying to figure out how he won't drive me insane.
0: I'm not 100% sure I, I trust him, but we
1: need his skill set. Yeah. But we need it. And it was funny, He uh, as soon as he catches the ball sometimes... Like, he will fire a shot right away when he is not really even set. He just wants to shoot it. And to be fair, that is a skill set that this team needs. But so so after Shake started the game, the other guy they had was Jay Rich in the backup role. I mean, I think, did we use garbanzo beans on the last podcast in describing it? Yeah, I I don't think think that's changed. you
0: said it's not quite that. Or it, I I think you said you wouldn't call the yeah. J. Rich run offense Garbanzo beans and then I interjected that it was pretty close.
1: Yeah, and it is, but uh, and I think the you know when I made the the comparison to the chef just you know taking a little, little taste of that pasta sauce and and seeing if it works. The problem is when he's the backup, you're not doing that. You're you're actually running multiple plays for him. He uh he is not playing that well right now. Offensively he is no. not.
0: And he's 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 one of those guys where he he really has a pretty pr- profound impact on how well the Sixers do. Because when he is playing well and he is hitting that pull-up, like that's a skill set they need and that's a production that they need. But he also then has I mean his last couple games 3 for 12, 4 for 10, 4 for 12 and in those games he has one assist, three assists, one assist, three assists. Like he's he's yeah. just not the production isn't there. And he doesn't... I mean, he is what he is. He's going to have some nights where it gets really hot, and then he's going to have some nights where he's not, and, and and where you need more offensively. I I love what he brings defensively, don't get me wrong. But when the shot's not going in, the vision isn't there, the off-ball spacing isn't there. He, he crashed the boards the other night that, against Atlanta. Like, that was nice, at least. But they, yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's very inconsistent.
1: Doesn't have the ancillary skills to put together a more consistent stretch of play. So when that shot's not falling, he just he just doesn't have that kick to the weak side corner or an ability to get fouled in an elite level. So yeah, that's what you're going to get. And I don't know what the answer is because Neto was not playing all that well. And at least Richardson allows you to play pretty big on the perimeter. And that, that second group, I need to rewatch the Atlanta game, but... They didn't defend all that well. I think a lot of that was Robinson and Burks did not defend all that well, but like in theory you're at least a little more switchable with that group. Neto is I mean, he's pretty limited defensively. So, you know, I think I don't know what the answer is, because then if it's not any of those guys, then you turn to Furk, who I don't really think is the answer. I think you want him more as the shooter role, as the Burks role that Brett was describing. So yeah, I think you just got to roll with J. Rich right now, unless you make some magical addition from like the buyout market.
0: Yeah, I probably, so I guess my conclusion was if this is truly, and again, we don't know this, but hopefully the Sixers have a slightly better idea. If this is truly like a two or three week thing, which I don't think it's going to be, but if it was, I could see some case for Howell. Just because I think Brett trusts him offensively. I think there's you know, he will get them into their sets a little more. Like he will he will run the offense where like Alec Burks, I don't trust, Wood. But if we're talking about like there's a chance this might extend in the playoffs, something needs to pop. And how how old Nido's not gonna pop? And he's not gonna be a playoff defender. I was looking at some of the, the pick and roll stats defensively, uh, because the other night against Brooklyn, uh well, like a week ago now almost, he was just getting swallowed up by screens. So I was curious. He's the Sixers' worst perimeter defender on screens and that's not that's not surprising at all. He could be hunted to death in the playoffs with switches and mismatches. And look on a night, you know, in late regular season games against a bad schedule when you really just need to get Joel Embiid in position so we can dominate, maybe how will Nettle make sense. But in the playoffs like and this is crazy because we're talking about Shake Milton and Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson and Furkan Korkmaz. But I it it I think you got to see whether or not any of those work. And I think right now the Sixers, they probably hope Ben Simmons will be back. Maybe they even expect him to be back. But I'm not sure what you can count on. And I say that again, knowing that we have very little of the information. But I think they have to see whether or not any of these other options pop. So let's shake start. You know, I think, I think moving Al Horford back into his starting spot as an interesting dynamic. You know, of, the, of all the people we've talked about, he's still their best passer of that group. He's probably their best healthy passer now on the team, which
1: is what do you have? Seven assists against the Hawks too? Six summer,
0: six. six, seven, I don't somewhere in there, yeah. It's a pretty absurd statement, but I think it's absolutely true. No, there were also-
1: there were some possessions in that game where Embiid, who we haven't even mentioned, scored 49 points. He uh he was getting really deep post position, basically under the basket, and nobody would get him the ball. There was one play where he was literally screaming. I think he had Herder on him which is funny because he would flip him the bird in about an hour after that. (laughs) But he was throwing him around like a rag doll and just begging all of these perimeter guys to get him the ball. Nobody would. It finally went to Horford, and for as much criticism as we can throw at Horford, he is playing just really bad right now. He at least will throw the ball up to him and let Herter foul him. And uh, yeah, you can really see that there.
0: So I think having him on the court opens things up for a maybe slightly less traditional point guard. Someone yeah. like Shake because your offense is gonna be two things. It's gonna be Joel and be in the post, and then you need a spot up shooter. And then it's gonna be a lot of pick and roll with Horford on the perimeter, whether that's Josh Richardson or this other secondary person that to be named later, a secondary ball handler to be named later. And that's where I think Shake, yeah, he's not he's not a, a point guard per se, at least not in the NBA level. And I think we saw that last year, and we saw that even in the, the summer league. But he has some of those skills because of the time he spent at SMU, and just run a pick and roll with Al, pick and pop, let Al sort of make plays out of that short roll, he can do that. And he has just enough, his his shooting, three-point shooting is, I looked this up, off the catch, it's like 36.8, and off the dribble, it's 36.4. Now, some small sample size, I think off the dribble, we're talking like 11 attempts, but he's a good enough shooter that they will at least pay some attention to him off there, or at least if he continues making shots, they will. So I think it's... uh, We're talking about starting Shake Milton. This is so...
1: No, I I think, though, that's what you have to do. You have to put him in a more limited role. And that's why he makes sense with the starters, because, you know, as much as it sounds ridiculous to be starting Shake at point guard, and it it is kind of ridiculous, you're going to play through Joe. That's what's going to happen. So, you, you know, you don't need the Damian Lillard. It would be nice to have him, the Steph Curry, the guy who can take, you know, thirty pick and roll calls a game or whatever. But uh but yeah, play through Al at the elbows, play through Joe in the post. I, I think that's what uh shape makes sense for. I think the, the other key too is finding it's not only the starting point guard with the second unit, it's also does Burks have it going? Because if he does, please run a lot of uh, pick and pop with him and Horford, because that is the only chance for Horford to succeed with the spread floor and a guard that in the pick and roll at least bends the defense a little bit. And, and as much as we were talking about how Burks is a black hole, he can make passes out of the yeah. pick and roll when uh, when those options present himself. He,
0: but... he will. He's, he's sort of like Jay Rich, where they will sort of make the most like the obvious read they can make pretty consistently. It's the the more comp, the, the, the less, the stuff that takes a little bit of creativity. Um, But yeah, he will, he will, he will make that pass out.
1: Yeah. So that's Horford's best chance of, of succeeding, I think, because, I mean, we can, we can keep talking about this, but him shooting these quick trigger threes, they just have no chance of going in, man. It is.
0: Uh... Yeah. The, the difference between like second release and a one second release for Al is night and day. Like you're probably talking five or 6%
1: it feels like. Yeah. But the problem is he doesn't get those unless he's the five and he's running pick and pop. So yeah, it's uh, but it's like you said, he is the best passer in their starting lineup. So I think it makes, I don't want to say it makes any sense because they, they, (laughs) Brett said after the game, he's like, was part of it to try and jumpstart him? It's like, well, you, you put him on the bench to try and jumpstart him two games ago. So, so, so what is it? And clearly neither of them are working right now. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it, it'll be like, you know, we focused so much on the data of Simmons, Horford, and Bede on the court and why that didn't work. We didn't focus really at all on the data of just Horford and and Bede because there really was none. Like I think before this injury we were talking like maybe fifty minutes all season, where it was Simmons and Embiid without or I'm sorry, Horford and Embiid without Simmons. So now we'll get a chance to see like if 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 you don't like you have more of a natural shooter on the perimeter, if you have maybe more of a natural pick and roll player, can you get Horford back to being a reasonable facsimile of Horford while still sharing the court with Joel Embiid? Is it really that there were just one too many of those three? we don't really know because we never really had a chance to see Horford and Embiid without Simmons. So no, now we'll have a chance. And I think it was funny in the press room when they announced the change, it was like, I wouldn't say strong reaction against, I would say more shock because of what you said in that a couple of days ago, Brett was just talking about we want to bring Al off the bench and get him into a r- r- rhythm and keep his role consistent. And now a couple of days later, but obviously things changed pretty drastically. So is it optimal? No. Like, you still have a non fuller spacer at the four next to a post up preeminent post up big man. But you have at least a little more natural of a I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. You gotta try it, right? Like yep. You can't You'll- start you can't start Shake Milton and Glenn Robinson the third. That just seems like a fucking disaster. At some point you gotta be like, all right, this is a this is our of our options off the bench that we could promote. Al Horford is the most talented of those group by far.
1: Let's see if it can work. And he gives them the most upside. The uh, yeah, the numbers were were pretty small. I think it was only a hundred and eleven or something possessions before last or uh, before Monday night's game against Atlanta. I caught myself there, by the way. Just making <laughs> the uh, so the numbers were really bad when Horford and Embiid played without Simmons, but because they had a strong game against Atlanta. They both were around the plus twenty mark. They are they're back to about even overall. With, I think it's it's a little more. It's one hundred eighty two possessions now for the season. So it's probably probably a little more than that. But yeah, it, it seems like those numbers can get a little bit better as the as the sample normalizes here. I
0: mean, God and as knows they, they play about, some dog shit teams. They're about too. to
1: play some terrible competition, as I was you know, about to say. So yeah, they'll have a chance.
0: All right, one more quick break this time for DraftKings. All-star breaks are in the past, and teams have their sights set on securing their place in the playoff race. Over in college hoops, teams are jockeying for tournament seating. So much action, so little time. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you right in the middle of all the action. The XFL is back to scratch everyone's itch for football. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app to see what special promotions they're offering on the most extreme league in the U.S. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TOSS. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code TOSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only in partnership with the Meadow's Race Track, and Casino. Bonus comprises a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show.
1: Let's uh let's talk a little bit about Joe. Cuz that was pretty cool performance.
0: That was I, I mean to be honest, like his last 5 games so dating back to two games before the all-star break against Chicago, 31.8 points, 12.4 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 1.8 steals, 1.8 blocks, and shooting 50.5% from the field and 42.9% from the, from three point range, getting to the free throw line, 13.6 times per game. And that's been pretty consistent. Like Great We're number. talking 14 attempts, 13 attempts, 19 attempts, and 15 attempts in those games.
1: I wrote this in my post today on the uh, athletic there were a lot of cool plays he made last night. The one, uh, the one where he faked Herter out on the the zone, where he kind of faked the the wraparound pass and then threw down the dunk. That was pretty cool. He had a, he had another big dunk where I think he he was dancing afterward. It might have been on on Deadman. He uh, Deadman had a tough night. John Collins, <laughs> yeah. John Collins too. By the way, he this has happened a few times this season. I'm thinking back to the third game of the year. When Joe got fouled on the the last play and the Sixers won the game, Joe tosses him almost into the second row when he wants to. He he goes flying, and John Collins obviously great leaper, but that is an example of somebody who just does not have the the heft to hang no. Joel Embiid.
0: The uh, the kid in Atlanta had no shot. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: so and, and I was thinking back to a few weeks ago when they played Atlanta. I think Joe ended up with 21 and 14 against them. And that was about as annoyed as I have been with both him and with Brett Brown because Vince Carter was guarding him for a decent stretch of that game. And it's like 21 and 14 is a good line for pretty much anybody, but with the context of that game and how dominant he should be against a team like that, it was a pathetic performance. Well, he turned things around quite a bit in this game. And he was just a boss. And uh, I, think, uh, I think I was about to say this, but he, for six points, he, he got fouled three times when they were in the bonus, just by effort. Just sprinting down the floor, parking his butt about a foot away from the rim, and drawing a foul because he got deep post position. And that is something he needs to do every night. It's like— And he's, to be
0: fair, he's been doing that— like, consistently pretty much lately. Like, the Clippers game, the Brooklyn, the game. Nets game, yeah. and the Hawks game. Those are, I mean, the three of the last four games, he's done a real good job of that. And Atlanta, you know, I think he, he took a lot of grief for the Milwaukee game. Uh, 5 for 17 from the field, 17 points. Struggled. I thought he had some pretty good looks, though. Like, I didn't have a huge problem with his aggressiveness. Like, was it at the level of the Clippers game? No. But I don't think, like, he came out, like... You know, I mean, whenever two of the top teams come up and you have Giannis and he's playing so great and Embiid struggles, like, oh, he came up small. And, okay, he had a bad night, but I don't think he,
1: like... Everybody else had a bad night, too.
0: Yeah, and, like, that that defense is real tough to score against inside. They're real tough to give up. Like, they don't give up a whole lot of second-chance points. And, I mean, this is Embiid over his last five games averaging 4.2 offensive rebounds, only had three against the, the Milwaukee. They don't really let people the free-throw line. Like they will double down and, and force the ball out, and that's tough. On I mean, it, it's especially tough when your perimeter players don't make the shots. And it's I mean, it I I don't think he played as poorly against the Bucks as you know. I I certainly don't think it, it it mitigates what he's done here of late. Outside of that,
1: all that said, I am a little bit worried that that's two clunkers in a row against that team.
0: It's a it's a real tough matchup for him for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's it's true. look, it's all. It's all relative. It doesn't matter if Ben is not playing at a super high level. But, you know, theoretically, if they do get him back, they need Joel to roast the Lopez twins, who uh, he has roasted over his career. And I know Mike Budenholzer and and Giannis and all of those help schemes, Eric Bledsoe, it's a different animal than the, uh, the Lopez's of the past when they were playing with the Nets and the Bulls. The Lopey. The low pie, yes. Yes. The uh, so yeah, that that was a little bit wearing, but I think uh, just in general, love how he's playing against these overmatched teams. He is very much being the bully that he's supposed to be, and he also gave us some fun extracurriculars after the game too. It was a uh, it was a trip down memory lane, and also a uh, another game where the Sixers got booed, and they also I still won. They are now Nick Foles on the season at home. Nick Foles, 2013 touchdown-interception ratio, 27-2 to at home <laughs> for the season. But they have also gotten booed in, I don't know, 50% I mean, of those games.
0: It does feel like that. And to be fair, like in that third quarter, they deserved to get booed? Terrible. Like they played terrible. What, they give up a 40 spot in that third? They can't
1: even out the play. No. They can't just like win a quarter by six points. All four quarters.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they can't. But they they turned it around in the fourth quarter, made it a pretty easy and convincing one, as they should against Atlanta. By the way, especially on a night where where Trey Young doesn't doesn't really have it.
1: He didn't have it. Jay Rich did a nice job
0: though too. He did. As much, think, as, as much as we complain about him offensively, sometimes he's he's really good on that end.
1: Really good. And and one of the keys against Trey Young, honestly, is you just let him shoot those step back. He'll make footers. one.
0: Like he'll make one from the logo.
1: That's fine and it sucks when it goes in but you can't put them on the free throw line. And yeah. Jay Rich for the most part did a really good job of that. So that was good. Let's see what do
0: we have coming up
1: here. Cavs? Oh. Big win over the Heat.
0: Yeah, they've have had some some help here from the Cavs and the Hawks over the Heat of late. The Heat sneakily not playing very good basketball right now, which uh you don't hear as much about, but
1: it the, is, the, the, it is oops. true that and like that's part of it is the expectations and part oh, of it Yep. Part of it's fair, part of it's unfair, but I think the Heat have lost 6 of 8.
0: Yeah, yes they have. And the only wins there are against the Warriors and the Cavs. Like anyone that they have, they had a a back-to-back, a home road back-to-back against the Cavs um, that they split. But anyone of of real note, not even like great teams. I mean, one of them, the Clippers, they lost, but Kings, Blazers, Jazz, Hawks, like those are some bad losses for a team that uh, is fighting for home court, they're not playing their best basketball for sure. Uh, their defense has taken a real hit. So we will see what they look like. You know, there's a, there's a lot of season left.
1: So we will see what they look like. If the Sixers had those losses. Oh,
0: freaking out. Yeah.
1: And they have had some of those losses this season. So we actually know what happens. There would be a lot of chatter about it. And there, there isn't so much about the heat and that's, uh, some of that is the te- the territory that comes with with being the Sixers team, but yep, it's uh, it's it's probably pretty nice, right? If you're a member of the Heat, you know what I was thinking about this. At least you know, Eric Spolstra probably deserves to have a, you know, when his team is somewhat underachieving over the past couple of weeks. Although you can argue they've overachieved for most of the year, for all the crap he had to put up with and all of the the circus media attention he had during those LeBron years. He probably earned that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so maybe, maybe Brett Brown will coach an overachieving team at some <laughs> point, five years down the line. And when they screw up, he'll be like, Oh, this is nice.
0: So bring up strength of schedule over the last 90 days. These are the number of games against top 10 opponents and top 10 as determined by strength of schedule or I'm sorry, SRS today. So not at the time of the game as of today. This is from uh, Ed Kupfer. The Sixers have the fourth most games at 16 against top 10 opponents over the last 90 days. Milwaukee, on the flip side, has the fewest at 5. Granted, they've destroyed everyone, so you give them the benefit of the doubt. But 16's a lot. Minnesota leads the league over that span at 19. Then the Spurs and Portland at 17. Miami, as a point of reference, only 11 despite those struggles, Boston at 10, Toronto at eight. So Sixers have had a real tough schedule here of late. That, that along with Embiid being out, along with Jason, er, Jason, Josh Richardson being out, and, and now Ben Simmons. You know, I look, there's still a lot of concerns. And the top of which is Ben Simmons, second of which is that your $109 million free agent signing, can't play with your best player. They still do have a lot of talent, so we will we will see. Do I think they can beat Milwaukee? No, like Milwaukee should be the very prohibited favorite. Like, what would you give the Sixers a fifteen percent chance of winning? I, I don't know. It would, pr- prohibited favorite, but against the rest of the Eastern Conference, I still do think they have a chance. Unfortunately, because of seating, yeah, they're, might they're probably mean, not going to get to play them. It might only mean one round that they have a real chance in, but uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's still a team at the end of the day that has Ben Simmons, maybe, hopefully. And Joel Embiid. So we'll see.
1: That's part of the reason why, when anybody asks, you you know, what do you think of this team's chances in the playoffs? And this is before Ben had this back issue. I said, like, look, I I hate, kind of hate the way they're playing at times. They've been super erratic. Obviously, they've also had some good moments as well. And that just combined with the star level talent that they have. They have a puncher's chance in every series they play. I would say, including Milwaukee, if everybody is healthy and raring to go, but that is now very much in question.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, 15, 20% chance, like one in five happens. One in six happens. Like, it's not like it's impossible. It's just, would I bet on it? No.
1: Just need Furky to make some threes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, look, back-to-back 30-point nights from Furky and anything is, is up in the air. <laughs> All right, I think, uh, I think when we start Basing our season, our postseason hopes on Furcon averaging 30 a night. I think it's probably time to end the podcast.
1: We'll leave the Furcon fan fiction for (laughs) August or so because he's definitely coming back.
0: Well, thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.